Welcome to the Sports Manor Podcast. This is Derek Black, uh, as joined, like always, by Marcus Anthony and Newman. What's up? What it is. So, guys, uh, we'll get into news right away. Um, Tony Romo, and that's about all I'm going to say. Wow. Uh, what did you guys make of that that contract? I know I was hoping to see him on Monday Night Football, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon now. I don't think you can. Um, a lot of these broadcasters are getting paid a lot more money than you really anticipate, but they're also... And other organizations are drawing in those dollars too, and you have you know less faces, less mouths to feed, if you will. Um, but I think I think Peyton Manning with um, uh, I think they like he's a, he's up in the twenty plus uh, range with ESPN, or they're working on contracts similar. Uh, but you know Tony Romo's brilliant man. He's he's just he, he's worth everything that he's getting there. I, I think it's clear to say that he definitely regrets the decision to enter the the booth and and not play out another season with the Cowboys. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm just being facetious yeah. there. But uh, that, yeah, massive deal. Um, and it's you know he's got three years guaranteed, and then assuming that CBS maintains their broadcast rights, it goes to another seven he gets. So yeah. ten year guaranteed contract with all that money. That's real nice for Tony Romo. The thing that I thought was really interesting is if you slot in his his average salary, uh, he'd be like the 14th highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now, um, and, and obviously at a premium position. And I think is. He only earned more than that three years in his career. Was it three or four years? Yeah, probably. I, I didn't look. Yeah, at I think that. it was. It was only three or four years. He actually earned more than his annual salary now in the broadcast booth. But at the same time, you talk about you know how much money guaranteed, you, guaranteed for ten years. Basically. How how much yeah. money you generate and bring in for the for the organization? I feel like he probably brings in more as an announcer than he did on the field. Oh, without a doubt. Do Do you think that they in his contract it's slated for uh, whatever? Uh, uh, amateur tournaments that he wants to play in they'll just let him go without uh without any issues i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if he gets included on some of those jim nance cbs broadcasts to be fair they work in the booth together for the nfl he likes to golf i'm sure he's got some golf analysis he could provide yeah i I imagine there there has to be language i know how much you know tony likes to golf i I imagine there has to be language in there that allows him to do that uh and then not worry i mean if, if you pull an oblique playing golf uh, obviously, huge deal on the football field, but in the, in the announcing booth, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. Not going to uh, affect his ability to talk. Yeah, so obviously really favorable situation, but honestly, great guy. One of the, the best parts. I mean, he's the anti-Chris Collinsworth. Uh, or I, I'm starting to warm up on Joe Buck. Obviously, that's probably a conversation for another day. Uh, I'm not as anti-Joe Buck as I once was, but Collinsworth is still absolute the dog worst. shit. Uh, him and Booger. Him and Booger. Yeah, at least Booger only has to like chime in every once in a while on his awkward sideline setup. Real, real quick though, uh, did you see the Pat McAfee thing where JJ uh, Watt tweeted out? He's like, "Just make this guy the Monday Night Football." Guy. No, I didn't. <laughs> but honestly, now that that Romo is out, I would love to see Pat on on Monday Night. I think it's. I think it's that'd a lot be great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get into Trevor Bauer now. So obviously, there's a little bit of news um, beyond just you know from we prepped. He met with Manfield today, um, but. What do you make of, of him just in, obviously, a spring training game, low, low stakes there, but just straight up calling every pitch, no signs, uh, just the, the universal, if you're 15 years or older, you know exactly what's coming every single time. Yeah, uh, it, I like it. I think, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I enjoy the pettiness it's a sometimes. Very, it's a very Trevor Bauer thing to do. I enjoy the pettiness sometimes, especially at baseball, like, have some fun with it. Like, he's yeah. absolutely having fun, but he's also being like, Screw you guys, like, whatever. Sure. Um, but, yeah, just the effectiveness with it, too, like, is pretty good. I don't think it, it carries over to the regular season. He no. may He may pull it out every once in a while or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't see it being an every pitch thing where nope. he's, yeah. I think it's a good stab, good awareness. Uh, I mean, you see the same thing with, with Rizzo. 
uh, making jokes about you know you know someone needs a bang on us. Uh, that on that was amazing. Me. Yeah, he just was kept going and going. It was. <laughs> I wish they would do that during a regular season. Uh, just <laughs> Are you listen to what the, they're the mic'd up. Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah, love it. Mic them up. Man. Absolutely love it. I, I remember my, my favorite play. Uh, it was Mookie Betts spring training, probably two years ago now. He's mic'd up. He's in the right field. They're just talking. You know, what do you think about the team? What do you think about this? You're coming off a great season. Guy smokes a ball down the right field line, or I think it might have been in the gap, and he just immediately is like, "Oh, I'm not getting to this." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "This is this is great. I agree. We we need we need a lot more of that." Um, we even got today. We got a, an XFL style f bomb out of uh, Pete Alonzo. Nice. He dropped it. He's I, like, I, I missed that. Do you see, do you, I think it was something like, "Do you see the fucking face he just made, or something like that?" <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of like well, uh, you and I used to talk about it a lot. How we'd pay for like a um, like an extra game package. Yes. To, have, to just have instead let, of like let, have, Ray, have Ray Lewis mic'd up. Exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to it the entire time. Yeah. Um, I'll pay a premium fifteen dollars a game to listen to what game I want mic'd oh, up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it'd be it'd be amazing. Um, yeah. It just makes it more entertaining. Um, it keeps you really in tune, waiting for something uh, quirky to come out. And, and it lends itself to baseball because there is a lot of standing around, right? And there's th- these guys are doing a lot Plenty of, con- of time to talk. They're, they're they're conversing already on the field. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Anthony Rizzo, you think he's not talking to every guy right. who steps on first base? He definitely is. So like he could absolutely just have a conversation with the booth. The only thing that we have to be wary of is we need to make sure that they're not like tipping them in some way, right? Because sure. we don't want that to that to become yeah. an issue too. Yeah, well, you know, just the yeah, outfielders, just on defense, maybe. Um, you know, I don't think they're gonna be tipping anyone from back there, but it's you know like with bets, it's just it's just hilarious to be like, oh shit, here we go. I, yeah. I really enjoyed the story that he told about Chipper Jones right there at the end of the inning, and then also the Chris Bryant thing where he was like, uh, he pulls the ball foul, and he's like, get down, get down, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it goes foul, and he's like, oh man, now I'm tired. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, even uh, Rizzo from that same game, he comes out of the box, and he hits, he he uh, he knows he's gonna fastball. He's, like, he's only throwing me one. I, I'm feeling a heater here. He, he hits it in the gap pretty hard. He's like, oh, I'm going to. And then, like, three seconds later, he's like, eh, no, I'm no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Yeah. It's, it's just it's cool to hear some of those dialogues, those interior dialogues out uh, when a guy's mic'd up. So I know we don't do a ton of boxing, but obviously uh, a really big heavyweight event um, with, with Fury and Wilder uh, just happened. Uh, what do you think of, of uh, Wilder enacting his, his right to a, a, mat, a rematch here? So we're going to get Fury Wilder 3. Yeah. You have to, um, you know, I, I know everyone's kind of making a deal about uh, Anthony Joshua getting his matchup there, but um, I don't really think he's uh, in the same tier with, you know, Fury and Wilder. Uh, Wilder's still a scary man, but um, uh, although him bitching and making excuses and complaints yeah, about like why he lost, um, you know, dude, take your L like a champ. Um, so if, if your issue's conditioning and he didn't have his legs there, it wasn't because of the outfit. The outfit didn't help, but he, he was poorly conditioned or not conditioned well enough for that fight. Why do you go ahead and, and, and take that uh, rematch ability now and, and push that fight all the way up to July, I think it is, versus let him go fight somebody else, work on your conditioning, you know, fight him in a year from now? I think the, the easy answer on that question is just the money, money right? Sure. The money. Um, that's what it comes down to. Uh, I remember specifically... But don't uh, you Floyd, want to win again? Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao the yeah. most recent time. And immediately after the fight, he Floyd walks up to Manny and he's like, Hey, Manny, we made a bunch of money tonight, didn't we? That's yeah. the only thing he cares about. He didn't care about the fact that he won, blah, blah, blah. Like, Manny's pissed, sure. right, that he lost the fight. And Floyd's just like, oh, yeah, I'm rich again, right. whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. 
Um, but I mean, I don't know if you, if you want to if you want to win, give yourself the best chance to win. I don't know. Do you think he wins in, in July? Maybe, maybe he thinks that playing fighting again recently actually may help him sure. in terms of Keep you know fresh. Yeah, well, well, he's maybe, still mad. Well, maybe Tyson Fury like takes him a little bit lighter now because like I just whooped his ass, blah blah blah. I don't need to worry about it as much. And maybe he takes a, a, like you know doesn't quite prepare as as much. And he underestimates him, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, maybe those are some of the factors. I'm sure he had a conversation with his manager and his trainers. and they made the best choice. Th- they came down to this being the best choice to, to capitalize. Do you think there is even a towel for them to throw in next round here? <laughs> they might They might be ready to throw it in quicker, honestly. He might just be like, listen, we're going to get the money, and then if, yeah. I'm, if I'm struggling, let's get out. Let's get out. Um, here's my early prop bet for you. Um, I'm going to try and get someone to take this. Um Fury's going to come out with a, uh, <laughs> a Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, that meme of his face getting jacked oh. up. He's going to he's gonna wear a mask of Deontay Wilder's okay. face jacked up to the side. <laughs> that would be something. I don't, I don't think he would disrespect his opponent that much, but, no, uh, but it, it, love it's, it. it's a funny concept. So uh, we have an, a, another kind of uh, non-football, kind of an interesting non-football topic that we're going to go to here, and then we'll get back to a little bit more football. Um, what do you make of the the New York Knicks? So there's, there's kind of two things. I'm going to add one thing here. Uh, obviously, with the, the the kind of drama around Spike Lee and, and how they are treating, you know, probably no, there's no probably their most notable fan. Yeah. The, the, when you think of what does it mean to be a New York Knicks fan, you think of Spike Lee sitting courtside. Um, and then Leon Rose to be the head coach. What do you make? Uh, uh, president. Or, or sorry, what, president. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, not head coach. Sorry, president. Uh, what do you make of? Guys who who were sports agents becoming front office guys. Yeah, so this happened in baseball recently with uh, Brody Van Wagenen becoming the Mets uh, GM. Yep. And it's happened uh, before in basketball with uh, um, the Lakers. What now? Now I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the guy who currently runs the Lakers mm-hmm. was a former agent. And it, it for, especially in basketball, it's there's a lot of power that the agents have, so that's why they they if they fit a little bit is that more because into of how, a president's role, like, individual p- player driven it is. Yeah, and I mean, like LeBron's agent is Rich Paul's known as one of you know what I mean one yeah. of the m- most powerful NBA guys there is on sure. the planet. So th- those kinds of things uh, provide that. Incentive. LeBron's so powerful he made Windhorse uh, like a, a thing. Right, Brian <laughs> Windhorse just followed him around for whatever high eight school. years or something yeah. like that, and and became now he's, a, now he's an ESPN personality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for Brian Windhorse. Yeah, like, no, no, yeah, hey, good for him. Yeah. Ride the horse, though, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, <clears throat> in terms of for the Knicks, do I think this is a good move? Uh, it can't be a bad move at this point in time. They're they're awful, so like, the, they yeah, gotta try something if you're, new. If you're the Knicks, like you can't lose uh, more than you already are. Right, like you can't be more of a laughing stock. Um, as long as Dolan owns the team, the, the the expectations are extremely low. People yeah. just assume they're going to be you know just a cl- complete clown show because that's what he's made the team so far. Right. Um, so I think that really that kind of ties into the, the whole Spike Lee thing. What do you make of the Knicks' inability to keep their high-profile supporters happy? You talk about the Oakley, the Spike now Lee Spike thing. Lee thing. Yeah. What's going on with all this? I think it's kind of just Dolan doesn't understand how, like... He I seems really thin-skinned. Yeah. I know I know he notoriously will throw fans mm-hmm. out that are critical of him. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a guy like that own a team? I... I I mean, money, right? That, that that's the answer to most but things. That, but, it's, but, but it's not just money because you look at some of the other pro, the big, the other big sports. Obviously, you need money to be the, uh, at the table. Yeah. But I mean, Gary Vee has enough money to buy the Jets. He doesn't own the Jets. 
Like there, there's a voting process. There's, you know, there's an owner's right. process. Well, he got, he got in at some point. He maybe like didn't yeah. he, didn't he inherit the team anyway? So yeah, um, I think so. So I mean, like that that whole thing. It's not. Do you think they forced him out at some point? Uh, so he the only time that the NBA has done this with the forcing out is when they forced out the Clippers owner yep. for you know the racial whatever yep. um, stuff that went down with the apartment complex and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they'll force out Dolan because he hasn't done anything to warrant getting forced out. Just having your fans be upset at you is not something that I can force a guy out. What about, for, right? what about running one of the most prestigious organizations in the league into the ground? They're still making money, though. Yeah. So so that's the thing. Play the, the fans. The, the, yeah. the, key, the key element is the fact that they're still making money. If sure. they were losing money and the other owners were losing money because of what he was doing, then you might have an argument. But they're, they're, they're not. So it, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Yeah. Um, I think the agent thing is pretty interesting, though. Like, having agents in general run your sport, your sport team um it's had some success and it's also had some failures think about dave stewart when he took over the diamondbacks right yeah that was horrendous uh he traded danzy swanson away like immediately um and yeah that didn't work out well so but to your point i, I think the agents in basketball there are fewer of them just by the nature of there being fewer players mm-hmm. and if you if you re- represent you know a few big names so who who did he represent before uh, before um, this, I don't, I don't remember. So Anybody have note? The, the yeah. tall guy, I think, right? The one could yeah, dunk. that that no. that tall guy that could dunk. Uh, he's had he's had quite a few players. A lot of them have turned out to be Knicks. Uh, I think Mello, for instance, was one of his. Okay. Carmelo Anthony. Um, but yeah, so this guy has a pretty well, you know, good uh, rep, rep, um, reputation. Okay, right? so, so Allen Iverson, and he at one point represented LeBron James. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I um, you know, some notable so he, people. So he has pretty good reputation. Um. And like like we said, Chris if Paul, you're the Knicks, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel the, Embiid. If you're the Knicks, the girl, you got to try something, right? So, you have to. Uh, I, I I don't. And that's the thing. Like you take you take this in a vacuum, and uh, an, a, an agent with some star power behind him doesn't. It's not a bad idea, right? It's something that I, I would typically I think in the situation isolated support, but anything that's on the fence at all. When the Knicks do it, I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> just because I think the Knicks are, are just ridiculous, and it's it's all Dolan. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. They don't have. I mean, there's nothing. Again, there's not much from an expectation standpoint. They don't have a lot of talent. They don't have. Somehow that they have a. a like a, they don't have a lot of talent, but they don't have a lot of like up and coming assets. Yeah. So that that's basketball's turned into this game of assets. Yeah. Um. The one that the thing that they may have is space. Sure. So sp- space could be the key element there, and uh, it it could give them some opportunities for the future. Sure. Which if you have. A GM that a new head man taking over, whatever uh, Leon Rose, and he gets to inherit this team that has you know a blank slate to it. He can put his finishing touches on it. It may have been more attractive to him for that reason. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna transition back to the NFL. Um, some some offseason stuff. I think one of these guys that was being shopped is actually no longer being shopped. I think they, they got a deal done. Yeah. Um, so Cordy Glennon and Trey, and, uh, Trey Turner. They were on the market. I think Trey Turner, Trey Turner is no traded. longer on the market. Yeah. Yep. Um, the trade is not completed. No trades can be completed until March 18th when the right. year officially right. starts. But they've agreed to a trade in which Trey Turner would be sent to the Chargers in exchange for Russell Akung, the offensive tackle. So you're swapping out offensive linemen. Trey Turner, in my opinion, has had a much stronger track record. Akung is a tackle, so if you need a tackle, I get. I guess yeah. I get that. But you might be getting worse here. Yeah. I, I don't. There, there's a lot of backlash, obviously, from from what they're doing uh, across the board. They're they're moving a lot of of 
uh, <clears throat> fan favorites. You talk about the Panthers. I am. Yeah, it, it seems like anything but McCaffrey. McCaffrey's the only thing bolted down. It seems like everything else can really go there. With a new, do you, do you think it's just a matter of a, of a new uh, regime trying to make room for their players and their system and the, and and kind of clean house and get a fresh start, or do you think this is a a larger, more ownership driven thing? Well, uh, you know, in this case, um, you know, if if they're altering the offense, um, maybe Okung's just a you know a nice plug and play because he, he's only got what a couple years left in his you know in his career. So. Probably at least of good years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, two or three. I'd and say. Uh, you know, Trey Turner, he still had some inconsistencies, but you know he's also got a significant contract coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe it's just like a temporary. Uh, make an adjustment here because we're switching up the style of an offense. Maybe they just prefer uh, Okung's blocking style. Yeah. Um, but the, there's gonna the Panthers are gonna shake some things up in the draft. They're gonna be one of the int- more interesting teams coming up soon. Um, but they're <laughs> they're almost a train wreck right now, and it's yeah, it's, so, it's so, sad to watch. So, it's so, always so, sad to see a, a team do this or have this kind of turmoil. Uh, in the prime years of a generational talent, you're yeah. talking about you know, McCaffrey. Like, I, I, running backs don't have a long life. I feel like they're wasting his prime. Yeah, um, and they they are taking a more analytical look. You know, they had the retirement of Luke Keekley, so that takes some money off the books. Uh, this Turner thing will take money off the books. They, it. I know Cam Newton is a conversation point, but let's be realistic. His contract, if he's even serviceable, is actually pretty decent. He yeah. only has the one year, like twenty one. Point one million left or whatever, so um, that's not a factor in the, in those respects. But it is interesting that they're going to move towards some more analytical stuff and the the landscape. You know, giving their head their head coach a seven year deal. This is definitely moving towards they're going to be a rebuild. Um, so I think Akung is you know like you said kind of a plug and play. Maybe that just helps you know whatever young quarterback or even Cam Newton if he's in there. Yeah. Um, protect that backside but how about Trey Turner to the Chargers uh I think for the Chargers this says we're going to try to fortify the interior of our offensive line which allows our quarterback to maybe not get face so much push up the middle yeah uh in a division where you have some of that <clears throat> I think it makes a lot of sense for them uh especially just I mean we're, we're assuming there, there isn't a quarterback heir apparent there right it's, it's going to be somebody they draft Tyrod Taylor is there okay uh and theoretically could take over which sure. you know I, even if he is your guy, yep. that that's a good move. The expectation is that the Chargers either sign a quarterback or draft one, um, but that doesn't mean that Tyrod Taylor, Taylor doesn't start the season as your starter. And and that kind of goes with that. I mean, you want to—he's a shorter guy. You get that middle of that line, you know, that Drew Brees effect. You kind of start from the inside out, right? Um, so that, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense from their perspective. And and their team, whose whose window to win here is wide open. Uh, you talk about you know Derwin James and, and some of the young talent that they have defensively for sure. They can they can take a guy you know who's probably not even peaked yet. Um, again, he's going to demand a pretty big contract here in the near future. But if that's their style and they want to build from the inside out, then maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Corey Glenn, in terms of him, so he was recently traded from the Bills to the Bengals, and now the Bengals are looking to sell him. And ultimately, if they don't, he's going to get cut. Is the uh, what Schefter tweeted out? So. That's a guy who you know he had some pretty good years in Buffalo, so that's a yeah. big drop off to being cut by the Bengals, you know, w- the worst team in football last year. Could you imagine being in like one of the worst <laughs> cities in America in Buffalo, and then having to go to Cincinnati? Go to Cincinnati. Yeah. Poor, poor Cordy Glenn. With yeah. his luck, he'll end up in Jacksonville next. 
I'm, he'll take that at least. He's got the beach out that way. Yeah, at yeah. least it's warm in, in Florida. Yeah. Um, but I'm, he's a guy who hopefully, you know, with a little bit better health could could play, and somebody should be interested in him if he does get cut on a cheaper deal. So we'll see some of that. But I don't think the Bengals will get much for him if they get anything. I can't imagine they do, especially if, if it's – once you leak that the next step is cutting this guy, Yeah. most of your teams are probably just going to take a chance of putting together a more convincing offer. Uh, and, and just taking him out of free agency for nothing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Cincinnati only gets their compensatory. Well, maybe a seventh or even one of those, hey, we're going to trade you our six-round pick, but you trade us back your seventh, and it's like, so we moved 20 spots or something But do you like do that, that if you're the Bengals and you know the compensatory pick for him is probably a fourth? It, is it? Do you get much out of him? Because if he signs a cheap deal, then he doesn't really factor into the compensation stuff. Sure. But, um, I, I mean, he's still an offensive line free agent. I feel like there's still going to be a decent-sized deal. Yeah. There's not a lot out there as far as offensive yeah. line this year. I mean, but with the draft being loaded at offensive tackle, that may hinder some of that. And sure. We don't know what the rest of the landscape is going to look like. If I'm a team, I probably don't bother trading for him. Um, but so if I was you... the Bengals and I could get something of that nature for him, I would take it instead of trying to wait out whether or not he's going to get a compensation. Compensatory. compensatory pick. Yeah. So if you're if you're a rebuild team uh, like the Bengals, getting ready to draft Joe Burrow first overall, why wouldn't you pay the cost of, of protecting him with somebody who's an established pass blocker? Well, well, well Cordy, he's, he's still a right tackle, right? Yeah, but you need yeah. two of them. Yeah, well, yeah. you need two of them, but your left <laughs> left the, the sure the most important, obviously. But um, you know, Cordy, when you talk about the the, the number of his contract, uh, well up in the double digits. Or flirt with double digits. Um, too little, too much injury history. Okay. Um, but you know, there's gonna be some depth that we don't even know they're gonna go quarterback. First off, <laughs> but okay, that's it, true. It, it, we we pretty it's, much. It's, but it is the yeah, Bengals. It's it's pretty well decided. It, it's it's a liability um, to have those kind of dollars out. Um, and I know we're gonna touch on them here shortly when we start playing with franchise tax, but th- that kind of money starts becoming a liability if someone you know you're only gonna get it you know a handful of games out. Didn't right. we just didn't uh, weren't the Bengals uh, fundamentally opposed to trading? You know, not that long ago, just was four short months ago. I think that was just in the season. No, I know. I'm just joking around. Yeah, I still think that's the most asinine thing I've heard in my entire life. Yeah. For sure, you should never take <laughs> yeah. off any form of player acquisition. Yeah, uh, off I just I wanted to get another one of those jabs in because yeah. I I still like hearing that not wanting to move. AJ Are you Green. sour about the the newest video issue? Is that what's going on? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I just I thought that was that was good. Um, one one more trade happened in the NFL. Uh, AJ Boye to the Broncos for a fourth round pick. Yeah. Um, Get out of Jacksonville while you can, right? I guess do, do we we have no idea if he actually was the one who pushed for this or whatever. But uh, if I'm him, it's a much better situation to go to. So we got Denver. We, we have a little tri- trifecta of Jacksonville conversation. So we'll kind of have him here all at the same time. So Boye gets traded for nothing. Uh, he's a fourth round pick for nothing. Compared, <laughs> I mean, compared to his ability, he's yeah. he's a. a uh, a fringe one, high end two kind of guy. Yeah. For a fourth round pick, I mean, in, in today's NFL where you need two good corners, that's mm-hmm. it's. I mean, that's nothing. It really but is. They, they got rid of their other corner. Uh, they did get a lot of picks for him, at least. Sure. Yeah, they got um, a shit ton back for Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey during the season and yep. stuff. So, but uh, for like I said, 
it's it kind of makes you question: Did he push his way out, or is Jacksonville just like we don't want to pay him and we're gonna figure something else out? I don't know what they're doing. I'll be completely yeah. honest. I don't know what Jacksonville's doing. So I don't anticipate them getting any premier free agents this this coming off season, no. given the, the stuff that they have going on. No, so, so they so they announce early that they, they're going to be uh, franchise tagging. Uh, Njaku. Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Who says uh, he's definitely not signing. Right. So, But the, why announce that earlier than you have to? Why give up on making a long-term deal to pay this guy almost $20 million this year? Uh, that, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. I think they probably approached him about having a conversation about a contract extension, and he said he didn't want oh, it. Oh, I guarantee so, they had a conversation. But you don't. if he's saying now publicly that he's not interested after the tag news, don't you think... You think he just well, didn't he, want one all along? He's trying to leverage, you know, t- t- either not being tagged. He probably is going to get tagged. Yeah. Or for somebody to come get him, right? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully somebody in a good situation will go to him. We saw several guys get traded last year. D4 got traded. J.B. Clowney, Frank Clark all got traded after getting franchise tagged, right? So the fact that they're franchise tagging him doesn't mean he can't be traded for. Of course. It just means he's not going to hit free agency, which right. – if you're a player, you want to hit free agency, right? Because if you have multiple teams bid on, on you, that means you get a better return. Of course. Whereas franchise tag, doesn't matter who you play for, you're going to make the same amount of money. Uh, I mean, that return's pretty good. Honestly, only a one-year deal, but I don't see him making more than that on an annual basis. No, but he could get more guaranteed money over a longer period No, you're of time. absolutely right. 100%. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of, yes, uh, the the contract, the ton- – I'm just saying that's a, that's a tag number I'm, I'm going to wager he plays on. Right. So here's the question. <laughs> Is – it was reported as the 19.3 for defensive ends. Defensive ends actually have a higher tag number than outside linebackers. Is there any chance that that gets blurred into he's an outside linebacker and that tag number becomes even cheaper? It would probably help a trade a team looking to acquire him Who did if, just have, if they have that, that extra five million dollars or so, whatever it is. I, I think we we just recently saw somebody with a better case at that not win that um, in Jimmy Graham when he remember Jimmy Graham was trying to yes, call himself player, a wide receiver. Right. Yeah, um, I don't. So I don't. I don't think he wins that one. I don't. Well, I, I don't know how he's being slated or where where he was tagged. Sure. Where, where he's currently projected to go, but if he is projected as a defensive end as opposed to an outside linebacker, that's what I'm saying. That hurts in terms of the he'll money. Be an end. But what I saw out of I think Schefter or whoever um, when I was uh, writing this up is that 19.3 was the number for for his tag. Yeah. So that I mean. Again, I think he'll play on that number. Yeah. He's been extremely productive. Um, yeah. The last four years, he uh, he's 37 and a half sacks and 14 forced fumbles, which is fourth in the NFL behind um, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, and TJ Watt. So and you, and you, good then again, you look at positionally, there's only one defensive end in that three. So, I mean, he's, he's really one of the better in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the other tags. Uh, so we have uh, Scherf in, in Washington. I think that's a good move for them, especially as the redeveloping team yeah. with the young quarterback. Yeah, you that's need, a, that's you need to protect the line. I, I agree 100%. Um, I'm going to jump over one here and go to A.J. Green. I mean, to me, this is pretty transparent that they're just tagging him so they can eventually trade him. They, I don't think they're going to pay him a tag value. They don't want to. They, they want to get a, a deal done, and they'll probably take a diminished return on it because there's no way you pay A.J. Green franchise tag money, right? No chance. No there, chance. There, There is the – I mean, it doesn't make sense to do so, but it yeah. also, you know, I guess thirty one. this is one of those let's tag him and trade him, right? Of course. Um, but the number, I think, is 18.1 for him, which is not – it's pretty high for a one-year deal for, 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 for a wide receiver that could just leave. And some of the thought in terms of them year. keeping him to, to give him more leverage for the Bengals in trade discussions mm-hmm. is that uh, he can help a young quarterback develop, right? 
Um, well, you know what else helps a young quarterback develop? A running game and offensive line, so go fix that first. Right. But uh, You drafted him this year, right, Derek? In fantasy, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a share of him as well. So I got – I. <laughs> It's hard not to. I mean, you got him at good value. I think I took him like the seventh or eighth round. Yeah. You get good value on him, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to miss a couple weeks. You're like, a couple weeks, I can make a couple weeks work. And then he doesn't play. Yeah. All season. And the thing is, he they, they didn't they didn't put him on the injured reserve until week 17. Yeah. Which was infuriating and like almost insulting at that point. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I won't get into that. <laughs> that, that. That was a lot. Like when Derek starts getting red in the face. So, uh, so Steelers, Bud yeah. Dupree, what, staying, what you, staying in the division. Yeah, what do you what do you make of that? Uh, I like the move. Um, he he had a hell of a season, and he quietly you know flirted with. He got into the double digits. Um, so, do you think he's a slow starter, or do you think that was a flash in the pan? No, um, he's progressively gotten better uh, each and every year. Sure. Um, and that side of the ball in the Steelers defense. Um, they, they do a lot more coverage, um, a lot more actual linebacker play other than just rush, rushing the quarterback. Uh, so some of those numbers do get skewed. But, he, you know, he's just a guy that he has progressively gotten better each and every year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he earned the money this year. Uh, you know, he, he helped, you know, put that Steelers defense kept uh, one of the worst offenses I've seen in quite some time, uh, you know, in playoff contention for the whole year. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's going to be their core. So you, you got to try and keep those pieces together. Yeah, I would definitely try to keep the defense together if I'm the Steelers. But also, worst case scenario, you know, if something unfolds in the draft and you're able to get a couple good guys there or something something cheap on free agency, having tagged him, you can also then again trade him, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is one of those positions where people will trade for a guy after the fact he's been tagged, uh, as we've seen before. So, but I think he's really good. I think he, he was a guy that needed to develop. And also they changed the scheme, right? Mm-hmm. So... The change scheme helped him yeah. and and allowed him to produce this season that, that was much better than the previous seasons. Now, yeah. now uh, level with me here, uh, Bud Dupree franchise tag. I th- you know I think there's also the option to you know maybe trade him in a, a second or a third round to the Giants and you know take uh, Isaiah Simmons up there in the top five. Um, you won't hear. I won't shed a tear. <laughs> I don't think you get that kind of value. Uh, I, I, yeah, to me that sounds like a bad decision out it's of the Steelers. Dream. Straight but, out of Madden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But speaking of one Simmons and going to another, the Broncos tagged Justin Simmons, the safety, yep. who, uh, if you saw Field Yates tweet about him, he just put up some ridiculous stats and numbers and is absolutely a guy that a team like the Patriots would, would target the hell out of or any team could really use. But the Broncos are like, that's not happening. We're going to keep this guy because he's probably our best player on defense. Yeah, and that, that's a good move. I mean, again, today's NFL, anything secondary, I think is a premium position. I think the rise of especially cover safeties is, is starting to make uh, a comeback in the NFL. We talk about some, you know, there's some premier talent there uh, mm-hmm. in, in the back end of that. Seeing a lot of guys who are maybe slower corners uh, transition. Obviously, Devin McCourty made a, a, an entire career playing safety, even though he was a, call, uh, a corner Matthew coming out. was a corner in college and, and has mostly played safety, exactly. slot corner kind yep. of thing. Yeah, so it's a premium position. It's becoming more of a premium position. I don't, I don't mind that at all, um, but t- to me, it's the Broncos. They're not really in a position to threaten anybody anytime soon, and you know how much can we talk about this one? It's really not that sexy. Yeah. Um, one that's a little sexier for me, Hunter Henry. So the Chargers making a decision that, that looks like they may tag him. I'm personally hoping he hits free agency, uh, just because I know Hooper will hit free agency, and I would love to have two options out there. Um, being a fan of a team that needs a tight end, 
right desperately um i would i would love either one of those guys i would honestly i'd rather have hooper just because from an injury standpoint hunter henry has a, a bad track record of injury when he's on the field and healthy he's phenomenal well and that's the thing that that i makes me like wonder a little bit about this move for the chargers you know go, going to the tag for this guy when he has been so injury prone right you couldn't work out some sort of extension like yeah is that what's happening or and it's definitely you, a guy you feel like you can talk to that agent and get some value because you're like hey look we'll pay you this much a year but like you don't play full and, years and, <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's why he's just betting on himself and being like no we're not going to do the extension yeah. and that's why they're going to tag him um, I'm not sure what the number is for tight ends, but it's probably not all that much. I would say right now that a lot of those superstar tight end deals aren't aren't really around. Yeah. So the the average has to be a little lower than you know years previous here. Right. I mean, some of the highest paid tight ends both play for the Bucks. So 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 the Bucks have <laughs> um, kind of well, have kind of a decision to make here. Well, hold, hold on. One, sure. One more one more um, franchise tag guy. So it's been reported that Chris Jones from the Chiefs, who had a big big time oh, okay. Super Bowl, um, if he if they cannot work out a contract extension, is going to get franchise tag. They're not going to let him walk. Um, but they said that that negotiation, the Chiefs are going to try to go as far as they can to make sure that they get that done up until the last second. And if they can't, then they'll franchise tag him. So yeah, um, I, I think, think that's a really good. I think it's a really good move for the Chiefs. Uh, you had a he's been he, stout for them for a few years now. Yeah, and just his impact in the Super Bowl alone. Like how many times did he? How many block passes did he have yeah. in just in the Super Bowl? Yep. So like. And he's he's a force to be reckoned with on that defensive line. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think uh, what, in twenty was it twenty eighteen he set the uh, the record for most weeks in a row with a sack, um, like seven eight weeks in a row with a sack and a yeah. four and a four three uh, tackle. Yeah, yeah, a three four tackle. He, he he's a stud. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, you want to touch on the Bucks again? Yeah. So we'll get to the Bucks here. Uh, so obviously they're making a difficult decision here between Winston and Barrett, uh, which means, um, how, how would you play this? Uh, it comes down to your negotiations. I think that the tag for Jameis is going to be too high, mm-hmm. um, but there's rumblings of they're uh, maybe looking at like a two-year, thirty million total. Um, you know, maybe closer to like thirty-five total. Um, so that we get the extra extra year, but you don't go overboard. Yeah. Because uh, you know, obviously the flashes are there. Uh, but man, Chuck Barrett had a what, what a season he put together for the Bucks. Yeah, he should have been first team All Pro. He is a guy that is definitely an outside linebacker in the tag, so he's not going to get as much money. Yeah. Um, Jameis, uh, the number I heard was two for forty-five, which sounds like it's m- probably a m- that sounds more realistic that I would take it if I was Jameis. Um, I'm not sure I would take two for 35. I just said, you're not going to franchise tag me and you're not going to give me the contract that I want. Then see ya. I'm out of here because why would you want to hang around? An organization doesn't value, value you, especially as a quarterback in a market where you might be the best upside play there is in the entire market for this year. So he might get, he has a chance to make a lot of money in free agency. If he does get to that point, I feel like if I'm the bucks, you got to do like a two year, like 30 a year team option kind of deal. Where? So I think the franchise tag for Jameis is 26.7 or something like okay. that, which to me, I would just slap him with the franchise tag and worry about it next year, right? I would be more focused on signing an extension with Shaq Barrett because yeah. I think that that's a guy that you his production level is not going to wane as much. You can get more steady years of production out of him, three, four years. So I, I don't know why they're just, we're going to franchise tag Barrett and whatever to see, see what happens with Jameis. It makes more sense to do, do it the other way, but then again, I'm not Jason Light. I don't draft kickers, so. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so what do you make of, of kind of uh, the Bucks kind of hedging their bet 
Obviously, they're a team that, for whatever reason, Tom Brady's name has been linked to. Uh, they have interest Teddy in, in Teddy Bridgewater, which I, I don't think that's a terrible idea, even though there's some places I think Teddy Bridgewater makes more sense. For sure. Um, what do you make of, of them kind of playing the rest of the quarterback market? It, to me, it says it's an organization doesn't know what the hell it's doing, which is pretty normal for the Par. Bucks. Yeah, um, par for the course. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in terms of the Brady thing, like I understand why Brady would be a good fit. I don't understand why Brady would choose to go to the Bucks uh, unless you're going to pay him an exorbitant amount of money. Which, if you're the Bucks, then it makes even less sense, right? Yeah. Um, the O line's not good enough if you're a Tom Brady. Th- yeah, so you have good receivers, but the defense isn't that great. The offensive line's not good. The running game is shitty. Yeah. And do you trust the organization if you're Tom Brady? No. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm looking for the place that I can win the Super Bowl. And for me, it comes down to the Patriots or the 49ers, yep. basically the, those two spots or the Chargers. of the two teams that are rumored the most. Right, but I would even say that the 49ers obviously are— They're are, better than the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Chargers aren't awful, and the, the Raiders are another one that's not awful. But um, if I'm Brady, I'm pretty much choosing between— the, the 49ers and the Patriots. There's no way he's going to the 49ers, so it goes right down to the Chargers. <clears throat> There's been a lot of speculation that is actually catching fire, and I am I, I don't necessarily want it to be true, but there's been some talks that Jimmy G might get flipped back to New England. And yeah, I think, think Dion made that suggestion. Um, to me, no it, makes, it makes some sense. I don't know if the Patriots are still interested in Garoppolo at that price. Um, and no, what they a, would have to give up yeah. in this trade in order for that to that's be. That's the biggest turn. Is they right. don't, they don't, they kind of emptied the war chest a little bit, uh, picking up Mohamed Sanu and, and making some other acquisitions in the middle of the season, in the middle of the season. They don't have the, the, the draft capital depth they typically do going into a draft. Um, so I don't think that's something that they would be interested in. If New England doesn't pay Tom Brady whatever he's asking, it really just goes to show the class of that organization. Not, not, not only not only is this guy taking discount after discount and discount, but he's helped cheat their way to six asterisk-filled Super Bowls. He, he's done a lot for that team, and you know what? You, you, sometimes I really don't want. I'm ready for him to retire, but I don't. I don't want to see him with another team. Uh, you know, you might have to just bite the bullet for him because he's done it for you know 20 years for you. Sure. Uh, so let's let's jump right in to do you want you want to do some other offseason talk around some of the guys that are, are you know banged up some of the injury sh- surgeries or do you want to just jump into the draft here? Well, so I think the combine has some injuries and surgeries that we've seen just out of them, right? Sure. So there was a couple guys that got hurt. Yep. Uh, the reports come out right after. Um, Laviscus Chenault, who is a projected first round wide receiver it's a talent, sick name. is going to have to undergo uh, a surgery that's going to keep him out at least six to eight weeks. It's a leg injury. It's a, and, it's a core injury. Same one uh, Crosby had. Okay. Okay. Um, but so that hurts for sure. A guy does that hurt him? Drop him out of the first round? Probably. See, I, I don't even think he's a first round talent. Um, you right, know, he, he was a fringe first rounder. We, yeah, but he got so much hype. Um, you know, great size, great speed. He has the intangibles. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when you talk about the numbers that he didn't put up at Colorado, um, you know. One article came out um, about him yeah, early in the fall. Who is this quarterback? Look at what you know the t- kind of team he's playing on. Sometimes these guys get it, it's hard for them to put up certain numbers based on their situations, right? And we'll get to that when we talk about quarterbacks like Jordan Love, right? Jordan Love trash lost all of his wide wide receiver talent, and uh, Mel Kiper's like, you know, you don't you shouldn't worry about his senior year. Throw out the tape for that. It's like, uh, what? Yeah, this is a quarter of the tape that we have on this guy or more, you know, why would we just throw it out? That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, now, now with Chanel, it's not necessarily about, like, you know, putting up, like, you know, video game numbers, but we're, we're talking under 100 catches mm-hmm. uh, in his career. 
Uh, so not you know in three years that doesn't really garner that kind of attention in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, great great size, great speed. Um, yeah. Okay, let, let's touch on a couple more guys. Van Jefferson, uh, news came out that he's going to have to undergo a surgery. Um, he was a guy who's seen as a late-round sleeper type mm-hmm. wide receiver because he's really polished. His dad was an NFL wide receiver, so he's really good at all the little things that it takes to be a wide receiver, but maybe doesn't have quite the same measurables or production levels because he played at Florida where they didn't throw the ball like to those wide receivers quite as much or give them the opportunities as much. Um, so I think that's, that's a guy who gets hurt by the, by this injury. Um, and then there's a couple of guys that got hurt during the combine. Um, Jeffrey Okuda actually got like collision, whatever. And he comes back and still wanted to keep going. And Deion Sanders, uh, was, was quoted as saying like, he's like, yeah, I told him to sit it out. And he's like, nah, man, I want to compete. He's like, no, you don't need to worry about it. Worry about the business. <laughs> well, you know, um, so a, a couple different things came out about guys talking about the combine. And, um, I really love the Okuda as a response. Uh, kids got a great story, but um, you know they asked him, you know, about testing and running because you know obviously some names are not. He's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm I'm definitely doing this. He's like, yeah. you know, growing up, uh, you know, th- here's where the guys that we used to watch their tapes, their combine performances, and he's like, and one day I want the you know the young kids to look at my mind and be like, look at that performance, look at that yeah. guy do that, and I you know I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was stellar. It's not like they're asking these guys to do. Yeah absurd amount of physical testing uh, you know go out and put on a show yeah he ran a good 40 time and then after he gets this little ding he goes out and does a 41 inch vert so right guy's a freak um <clears throat> and then zach moss said that he he tweaked a hammy and continued to push through it that's why he ran the bad 40 supposedly um Fake news. that's a it's a bad it's a bad call on his part if you get injured in any way shape or form uh, it, during the process just take yourself out don't power through any of these things it's not worth it um you're only going to hurt yourself and i mean this goes back to one of those things where sydney jones a couple years ago he was projected as a first round talent goes to the workout for washington for the pro day and pops his achilles like and it cost him you know millions of dollars so for some of these guys like choosing not to participate in this chase young for instance it's it's one of those things where I understand the questions why some of these guys don't want to do it, and I support their decision because I want them to make the most money, you know. Yeah. So so Chase Young, to me, I love that decision to not run the, to not work out. Um, if you're the first, I mean, he's the, he's the best player on most te- most guys' boards for you know overall player. He's probably going to go second overall. You're not going to jump Joe Burrow. So like, what can you gain? We'll get, we'll get to that in a second well, uh, in well, terms of him second overall. Sure. No, and I and I know the Redskins have you know said what they said, but what what can you gain if you're Chase Young? Not, not very much. You're already yeah. You're already the top guy. So so you can only really hurt yourself here. Exactly. But there's some guys that they just want you know. They want him to compete. They want him to go out there, and so there might be some some people who might slide him down their boards. They probably didn't have a chance at him anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. <coughs> it only matters what like two or three teams think because they're the right. only ones who are going to get a chance at him. Yeah. Um, okay, so let let let's jump in there and, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks first because that's everyone's favorite position. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm speaking for no, you know, know. This is what ever what the people want to hear. Fuck Give the people what they want, man. Um, Tua, he was healthy, right? He's supposed to be cleared March 9th. Uh, the doctors examined him for something like nine hours is what I saw the report was. And that's really good news for, for, for his stock, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, for him to come back and, and show it, uh, that gets him back in the conversation, kind of muddies the water at one for some people. Uh, I still don't think it does for me. I, I still like Joe Burrow here. 
Um, but, you know, there, there's some allegations and, and some rumors that the Redskins are looking at that too. Do you think this is just them trying to uh, stir up some interest in that second overall pick? Or oh, yeah. do you think this is they might really move on from Haskins? Like Absolutely. I think this is totally... If you're the Redskins, like... You have a lot of issues, okay? So if you can hype up that that you so do the Cardinals, you would though. consider and they, and they drafted <laughs> Kyler Murray, right? But the Redskins are trying to rebuild a different way, right? Sure. So when when you have the Chase Young option, like yes, he's the best player on the board and he would help a lot and he's a great player. If you were to take him for the Redskins, what would the only thing that could help you better, other than actually taking a quarterback there, if if you have to double up on the quarterbacks, that's a bad look too. But if you can trade out of that spot and acquire some more picks and get some more first-round talents, that really helps a team. And this is a draft where I could absolutely see a team trading some picks to go get him, right? Sure. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Washington does have some some solid pieces on defense. Um, you know, they have a terrible quarterback, but, you know, if, if you, have a, you have a good foundation on the defensive end, which you see you saw in Pittsburgh— um, you know, you can you can work out some of the some of the other. So I know I know you're not a Haskins guy, but I, I feel like you're still talking about Alex Smith. Oh, well, well, him leaving was the best thing that ever happened to the Chiefs. What a bum. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think Tua definitely goes into the top five, you know, based on that. Uh, the talent's there. Yeah, so he might go 1-2, and then we might see a, even pushing up more of the quarterbacks if that happens, right? Yeah, and, you know, and I know the next the next tier debate really is Jordan Love and, uh, you know, he, uh, and, and he Justin re- versus Justin Herbert, right? Yeah, so. well, you know, you know, Her- Herbert had the, uh, for, he had like one of the more roller coaster esque draft like stocks that I've ever seen. So, you know, going into his junior, finished his junior year, um, projected in the, you know, mid first round. Some people would have said that he was the number one quarterback last year, depending on the team that was going to take. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, I was one of those people. Going into this season before it started, I, I thought Herbert was the, the best quarterback in, in college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then, then he, uh, you know, he struggles this year, uh, finishes strong, and puts up a good combine number, and he goes from. Definite top ten to might slide into the second, third round to now he's going to be definitely in the top ten again. It's just is it is such highs and such lows that mm-hmm. I, I haven't really seen a comparison like you know in those type of drop offs. I think this goes back to when we've talked about sometimes these prospects get nitpicked, right? So they were nitpicking and uh, we th- certain things about his tape. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know the coaching situation. Why did they never rely on him to win these big moments and big games and stuff like that? Um, and so th- some scouts develop these these dislikes towards certain guys, and then it doesn't matter what you tell the scout or what you show the scout. They're not going to change their mind. They already made up their decision, right? So you get some of that. Um, Here, here's my thing. Is Justin Herbert still 6'6"? Is, yeah. he, is he still 240? I think he's even taller than that, actually. D- does he still have a hose? <laughs> <laughs> a hose and a hog. And actually, he runs a lot better than I thought. Um, yeah. He runs pretty well. Yeah, yeah like surprisingly it, well. Do you think I mean, it's a, just a bias with, you know, traditionally people aren't big on Oregon quarterbacks? Or spread in general, but especially Oregon. I mean, what when we've had a successful one, right? So no, yeah, I, I'm not saying there's it's, been plenty of quarterbacks that have come out of fucking Joey come Harrington. out of yeah, Joey Harrington, <laughs> Achilles Smith, yeah, right, Cincinnati Bengals, going back to them when they took him number two, whatever, yeah, and um and and Marcus Mariota, right? Yep. So like, I'm not saying it's unwarranted, but do you think there's a little bit of that? Uh, to me, the system's not the same, so it shouldn't no. be. Uh, but 
you, you may have that. I don't know. Certain scouts, just the way they look at it. Do you some think guys, it's a West Coast thing? So, yeah, some some of it, it's a West Coast thing, right? And so you, you look at some of the scouts and some of the organizations, they just don't like some of those guys that come out of the West Coast because they're too laid back. A lot of things I heard about Joe Bur uh, Justin Herbert is that, you know, he doesn't grab the huddle. He doesn't take control. He's not a leader. So, and that's what they want out of their quarterback position. And they said Herbert's done a really good job in, in the process. Remember that bum that came out of Cal? Uh, I think his name was Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Um, but yeah, so Herbert did a really good job at the Senior Bowl, uh, taking control and, and being assertive. Um, and they said he did it at the Combine as well in terms of the throws and being the leader uh, through all that process. But the, I think the Jordan Love hype is just way too much, weird, man. Right? I, I will pass. It's weird, right? He threw 17 interceptions as in his last year and you know he got interviewed about it and, and he, t he had a good response he did say uh they're like you know how do you feel about people asking about the 17 interceptions all the time and he says uh you know if i didn't want to talk about 17 interceptions i shouldn't have thrown them which is it's a good answer i always like i love this new wave of of uh football analysts that now interceptions in college are a good thing because it means you're not afraid to throw the football down the field i'm like wait i, I I still don't understand. Like, I'm not completely following this logic here. It's still a bad. I don't. Pass. I don't think that. I don't think that interceptions should be weighted as heavily as they are. I but agree. I don't necessarily think that you should look at them as a good thing, right? right? So I think that some people are just like, oh, when you throw the ball, when you turn the ball over, Jameis has this problem too, right? But the problem is Jameis is trying to win, right? Jameis and, turns the ball over. Yeah. No way. Uh, so. <laughs> And, but it's happened with other guys. So one of the things that Marcus absolutely dislikes about Alex Smith is that he will not throw into a tight window. He just will, he'll just pass. Or downfield. And, you can't and, complete a ball downfield. And if you can't convert on third down and get yourself and keep the offense on the field, then that hurts you, right? So being not aggressive enough is a bad thing for a lot of these quarterbacks, but being too aggressive is also a bad thing. There's some sort of understanding down distance, what you need to get yeah, and, and how you can do it. Right. Uh, and so I think that, but 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 the Jordan Love thing to me, he's overrated. And if he if he does wind up going in the top five, you know, good luck to whoever you have him. But I think that was a mistake. I'm always suspicious of of guys that went to colleges you've heard of that fly up the draft board late in the game. Like we talked about this before. If you're if you went to like a no name school, if you're Logan Mankins coming out of fucking Fresno State, or if you're a guy coming out of a D two school and you fly up the board because people are actually watching your tape that haven't really watched much of your tape before, I get that. If you're a guy that went to a school we know of, and all of a sudden you're flying up the board, it's like nothing's changed. You haven't played more football. I don't. I don't understand. So with Jordan Love, he, Utah State's not exactly. A, they don't get watched a ton. Um, his head coach did leave. They went from his junior season. He went to Texas Tech to yeah. take over. So there's a change there that he had to deal with. He lost some of his wide receivers. He lost some of his offensive linemen. The same argument that people were making for Josh Allen, and people want to compare them athletically. In fact. If you look at a lot of his combine numbers, there's a lot of strong comparisons there. Is Josh Allen that good is the real question because there's some <laughs> metrics that suggest yeah, not. That's fair, right? too. He can win at the NFL level when you have really good imagine, everything around him. Imagine your but, NFL comparable being Josh Allen and you're flying up the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, what, what did Herbert do wrong? Like I, like, like I said, he's still six. He's six, not a leader, man. He's not a leader. <laughs> I'll take him to New England in a heartbeat. Well, let, him, let him fall to wherever we can get him. Well, uh, let's talk about a couple of running backs that kind, okay. of, that kind of wowed us, right? Um, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, uh, we all know the store. We know the numbers, the production. 439? Yeah. Uh, we, that was faster than I was expecting. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was faster than I was expecting. I, I Apparently, he's a, he's a track athlete. I thought he was so. going to be a 4-5 guy, for yeah. sure. Like a low 4-5. And the thing is, even at a four, as a 4-5 guy, you're like, okay, 
does somebody take him in the late first round or does he go to the second round? Mm-hmm. He's a first rounder all day now, right? Yeah, he has to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, to have the the, product, the productivity, he was a front runner the entire year, earned it the entire year, and to run a four three on top of that, I, I still heard that there are some questions by certain scouts with his wiggle, right? So he's a, more of a straight line guy. He's not necessarily a guy who's going to make a lot of people miss, which at the NFL level can be a factor and can hurt you, but. I don't feel for the like most AP part, had I think, a whole lot of wiggle. I think he had. I think he did pretty well for himself um, this weekend. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember AP breaking too many ankles. Just just collarbones and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he's a uh, he's a one cut back. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wisconsin's a run power power offense. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's another question mark. Not necessarily for him, but there are some people where they're like, when some of these backs play behind these really much better offensive lines. Sure. The Alabama style running back, sure. right? Some of these guys they get. They get bounced, you know. They get buoyed by the off the really good offensive line. You know, else ran behind a good line in, in college and doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle. Derrick Henry. Yeah, <laughs> I think most teams would sign up for Derrick Henry. Right, and so the, I mean, and so AJ Dillon actually had a really strong combine. Sure, a big guy. He ran a sub. He ran a four five three forty and tested out pretty well. And he's he's a he's the biggest back probably there is on the board. Yeah, and he that's what the comparison he drew was Derrick Henry. So yep. for AJ Dillon, he helped his stock a little bit. I still think he's probably third fourth round at best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for for Jonathan Taylor, I think at least you cement yourself as a first rounder with his performance. But how about J.K. Dobbins, right? So he's the guy who, you know, he did okay. And then DeAndre Swift, who some people actually had as the number one back on their board. To me, DeAndre Swift, his like where's this speed that he's supposed to have? He ran the same he ran the same 40 numbers as Cam Akers. Yeah. Cam Akers is a bigger back than him, catches the ball better as far as I'm concerned. And, 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 and played fluid. behind a worse offensive line. He, yeah. he, he ran beautifully. Um you know Cam Akers owned own the drills. Well, you know, Cam Akers is one of my favorites. You know, I've, 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 I've been a fan of his uh, since he, even before went into Florida State. Um, you know, following him, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm in love with you know him getting a third round projection. Um, you know, he's not anymore. Well, well, he, he still has him, but um, yeah, even in the second round, you know, uh, he's one of the guys the Steelers had their private meetings with, mm-hmm. um, and I'd, I'd love to see him in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, in, in the in those those value rounds there for me, and and he's a do everything thing back he he's and he and he played behind a bad offensive line at florida state still had great numbers in terms of forcing missed tackles um and if you look at some of the pro football focus stuff from these running backs like cam Akers is like most missed tackles per attempts and yards gained after that stuff like he's at the far extremes of the board he he's a stud uh why he was projected as like the fifth running back off the board uh, is screwy to me you guys not not watch enough game film at that point we'll take it we'll take it um so uh, let's, let's play with a few wide receivers. And I think our biggest story is uh, old Rugsy and, uh, from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, not bad. even the best wide receiver on his team. Not even the best on his team. You know, they're, he, under underperformer. Uh, I think he was a five-star coming into Alabama. Yeah, all, all three of them. Yeah, were. yeah. Um, late, late first, early second, which I thought was still kind of high for what he did. And then he, uh, you know, comes out blazing, and now everyone's, you know, projecting him as the number one receiver in the draft all of a sudden just because he's a, a tenth of a second faster than anyone thought he would be. I think that that'll calm down once people stop just reacting to it, but I think it does help him in terms of elevating to maybe that third or fourth wide receiver off the board. I think CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy still go one or head two. Sh- head and shoulders um, above everyone. And, and they both had good combine workouts too, so it's not like they're losing a whole lot of ground there. But Ruggs is definitely an interesting case. But how about we move on to uh, maybe the the sleeper steel wide receiver. Denzel Mims had a tremendous workout. And if you go back and watch his tape, when he was healthy and on the field, 
he was the go-to receiver for Baylor. He's the reason he carried them in a lot of those games to get to that point. Um, you know, for, I wouldn't say the steal of the draft. Um, where, where, what's his projection at? So he's in the second round now? Second or third, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jalen Rager is still one of my favorite receivers out there uh, as far as value is concerned. Uh, slight injury history, but uh, you know, he's another versatile guy who can just kind of mm-hmm. do it all um, all around the field. But um, Mims is an interesting one. But Peoples Jones is another guy. I'm glad you said him because I was I've been waiting for you to say so, that one. So, but Mims Mims drew a comparison where his athletic numbers test. He's like a comparison to Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. which is everyone's favorite sleeper from last year's draft. Sleeper, right? Yeah, because yeah, everyone had, had him on their draft board like the third round, but he's a sleeper. Yeah, yeah. But Chris Godwin went out and had an All Pro season. So if Denzel Mims is able to replicate something like that, that's a great get for some team in the second round or the third round if you're able to get him there. Absolutely. If I'm a Jets fan, sign me up. Like they so, need talent. Let's talk about Donovan People Jones. Okay, my guy. Uh, I watched a lot. I watched a lot of Michigan football this year. Uh, my dad's a Michigan fan. He was a stud in high school. He was Five a stud star. in high school. He was All American freshman team. Mm-hmm. He he you know, was on the biggest stage. They asked him to contribute right away, and he did. He had th- four, uh, three solid years at Michigan. Didn't he return punts and stuff? Too? He returned punts. So he, he was honestly just as good as a punt returner. Uh, he averaged a little over eight yards per punt return. Uh, two touchdowns in, in, uh, across that in, <clears throat> over three years. Um, a stud, and then to me the most impressive combine number he put up, his vert, 44.5. Like, 6'2 with a 44.5. He's going to go get the goddamn ball. Mm-hmm. See, so what I like about him, um, you know, he's another guy that, you know, he didn't put up the gaudy numbers, but he was consistent. He was making plays, and, and Shea Patterson honest, the was... The quarterback play in Michigan while he was there was bad. It's been yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, this is like one of those examples of, if if you're just that much better than people, even if everyone's dog shit around you, you sh- you find a way to shine. Yep. Like, and he and he he shined in in, in almost every game. There's always flashes of him. Um, where, is, but his overall production doesn't look good because of the yeah. offense and and the way that sure. the offense was run and, and the quarterback play. That's right? why I like to point towards when you talk about athleticism and the ability to contribute. I mean, punt returns are still important in the NFL. If you look at that, very much an individual play. Mm-hmm. He was his his uh, sophomore year. He averaged ten yards per punt return. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a big number. Yeah, that's that's changing the field. That's changing the you know, an impact of games for his college career. Eight point three yards of return. Yeah. Um. So he can help you immediately day one there. Can pencil into the slot. Ran a four four eight. Not terrible. Not great. Um, but say six two or six three, right? Six two. But when you pair that with a forty four and a half inch vert, mm-hmm. now you're talking red zone target. That's a faster and the faster guy that can make those kind of plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at some of those comparable, you know, big body red zone target guys, um, a lot of those guys are on the slower side. So four four eight is extremely respectable speed for that. I, I I would love to see New England take him, you know, third round, fourth round, <laughs> if he's still around. Yeah. That's somebody that I think you know we. Need, New England needs that wide receiver talent so bad. Absolutely. Um, so a couple of other guys big. worth talking about. Um, Chase Claypool um, at Notre Dame. He measured in 238 pounds. Uh, some people are like, uh, maybe this guy's a tight end in the NFL. And then he runs a 4-4-240. So one interesting stat that I saw, which I loved, was um, only one other receiver since 2003 has been at least 6-4, weighed in at at least 235 pounds, and clocked a sub 4-4-5-40. Calvin Megatron Johnson. He was pretty good, right? Yeah, that's a pretty nice little comparison for Chase Claypool. That should help his draft stock. Yeah, not too bad. Definitely not. So a couple uh, a couple of show stealers um, this week, and we're really from the this offensive is my, line. This is my favorite part of the conversation. I, oh, right I know. I can see you lighting <laughs> up, man. Uh, 
Tristan Wirfs is obviously someone who's been talked about, super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the numbers that he put up, man, like the dude's just athletic. Um, he, he, how does he slide out of the top ten? He, he's a freak. Uh, I hope he does because I really want the Bucks to take him at fourteen. But uh, I could easily see him going as the, the he could, he could be the number one tackle off the board. It, it's certainly possible. I don't know that he was my favorite tackle as far as like just the, the testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can appreciate a guy running a sub a sub five. But let's talk about a guy that just ran just over five at 364 pounds. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about Becton, oh, yeah. the the offensive tackle yeah. out of Louisville. Six, so he's seven, he's a little six, bit eight. of a more prospect, uh, sure. a little bit more um, developmental prospect. Yeah. He's a little bit more raw, but he's just one of those guys where it's like you can draft him. He might take a year to develop at the NFL level, but then he's going to be an absolute monster, kind of like a Orlando Pace style, Walter sure. Jones, whatever. Um, those guys were pretty raw, and Walter Jones. Jonathan people, Ogden. Yeah, Walter Jones. Some people would consider the greatest offensive tackle of all time, but. Uh, Let's not let's not put him in that class just yet, but it's definitely really good. So testing numbers for them really that helped, and that should help get them in the top half of the first round. Um, one offensive tackle that didn't test so great is uh, Trey Adams. He had a pretty poor uh, combine, and some people are like, you know, offensive tackle Orlando Brown didn't have that great a combine uh, recently. The and the Ravens took him, and he was really good this year. So yeah. does it matter? It's um, something that you want to see. Yeah. You want to see some explosiveness and power, and it, it, it's never a bad thing if they test positively, but you still have to look at the tape, right? That's that's why I always have to think about it. Um, I've always and, felt that the bench press especially is overrated for an offensive lineman. Absolutely. I, I just uh, You're not going to punch a defensive lineman and, and stop his rush. Yeah. That doesn't happen. I, I'm more concerned with the lower body explosiveness exactly. numbers, the broad yep. jumps and things like that. Yeah, the, just who had the longest broad jump shuttle, the offensive line? Like th- th- those are things I'm more concerned about. Yeah. Um, but one thing, Trey Adams did have an interview that got leaked, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he you know, they asked him what if there's one thing he could change about himself. He was very honest in his response, and what did he say, Marcus? I wish I had a bigger dick. <laughs> so, because that's leaked, like uh, when it comes to the NFL drafts and, and smoke screens and conspiracies and driving players' value down, that makes me feel like whatever team leaked that probably wants him at a later valuation than he was currently at. But thank you for leaking it because that's a lot of that's a lot it's, of humor for it's us. It's so good. It's really good. And I mean, uh, even I, I, you know, we're we're very shallow creatures. I think yeah. even guys who are packing heat wish they were packing a little more. So it right. doesn't necessarily find, uh, find yeah. me a guy that doesn't want <laughs> want any more, uh, and I'll find you a liar. Right. Um, let's move on. Defensive lineman Chase Young. We talked about him not working out in his decision. Great there. move. Uh, Derek Brown and AJ Epinesa both had pretty bad workouts from the defensive lineman standpoint. Um, does it matter? And what do you think? How do you think this will impact them? This is uh, defense line is already such a competitive and, and, and tough position. Mm-hmm. Um, scheme matters a lot. You know, is a guy going to be taking a guy on straight on, or is it going to be kind of an edge rush? How do you want to use that person? Is it a four three or three four? Um, do I think that probably makes them less attractive to a wider pool? Probably, but for guys who want to use them in a certain way, it probably doesn't impact a ton. Yeah. Um, not a very deep draft this year at the, at the position. So no, it's really if, not. If you're going to have a bad year at, at defensive line, this this was the year to do it. Mm-hmm. So you know, fortunate for those guys. But to me, as an evaluator, I, I just there's so many other nuances to defensive line play that is already a barrier to people making an immediate impact. You can get those guys' strength numbers up. You can get their you know their their 
quickness up a little bit, better technique, <clears throat> better efficiency. I'm not super, super worried. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that when you watch the tape of Derek Brown, you're just going to see him dominating every single play. So yeah. I don't think it's going to affect him all that I'm, much. I'm a, I, I usually, I'm a tape guy. You know? e- Epinesa, it may hurt him a little bit. Um, he was a guy who was considered a you know, back end of the first round kind of guy because he's an edge rusher. And um, with the three cone being so poor, that's the key number that I'm looking at. I don't care about the 40. I don't care about the weightlifting. The three cone for the edge rushers is super important. Agreed. And he didn't he didn't perform very well. So that might hurt. It may make him more of a, instead of a starter and the guy you can just leave out there, he may have to be more of a situational role. Well, you know, they actually had some uh, projections with him landing in Tampa at 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> and some guys just don't execute. I mean, it doesn't mean he doesn't have the side-to-side agility or the explosiveness. Maybe he just had a poor showing in the drill. Yeah. It's I, still a drill. I, I thought it would have been a reach to take him at 14 regardless. I, I think so, too. Um, I think this, this sells him into where he should actually be valued. Right. He, he he should go no higher than probably pick 25 or something like that. Yep. Um, he pretty Pretty good player. Productive career at Iowa, but the, those testing numbers, the, the, specifically the three cone drill, really hurts. It's, um, just, it's just a numbers and game. Th- this and, year. Th- and that's a number that I actually do care about the three cone for, for sure. those defensive end addresses. And, and it's very much a numbers game this year. There's, there's mm-hmm. you know four quarterbacks who could go early. There's plenty of offensive line that could go early. There's wide receivers. Ends, there's wide receivers. Yeah. A running back or two. Where, could yeah, slip where in. the running backs go. Um, it, there's DBs. the numbers game. And mm-hmm. There's just. There's yeah. guys who are going to get drafted early. <laughs> Let, let's talk about one of those guys that's going to get drafted early. Um, the, maybe the favorite combine performance out of anybody. Um, Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson. So I know Marcus linebacker has, some, slash safety has some feelings and opinions here. So Yeah, let me, let me take the lead on this one, boys. <laughs> um, so I was trying to reach out to Kevin Colbert to tell him, I don't care who you have to blow, get him in Pittsburgh. But... Um, <laughs> All right, so would you offer your own mouth up for that? I would offer Derek's mouth. <laughs> so, all right, so okay, we know the numbers. You know what, two forty six three, sub four four. Physically, it's awesome. But um, on top of that, dude played over a hundred plays at four mm-hmm. positions. Yeah, uh, and he, he was very productive. Uh, guys like that are just game changers. Um, and anybody sitting up in that two three four range should be getting ready to slide back get some picks and start building around a player like that. Um, does he get out of the top five? If I, if he does, it's it's a travesty. Right. Like, it, it, it's – I mean, I understand there's certain guys, you know, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, that are two of the other top defensive players that could go, and maybe the two of them squeeze him out if three quarterbacks wind up going or something like that. Would Is any team going to take an offensive lineman over him? I don't know. Maybe based on need you could see the Giants doing it, but I think that might be a mistake. Yeah, I, honestly, if I w- I wouldn't be upset if he was the first defender taken off yeah. the board. If he went two, I wouldn't. I'd be like, all right. I, I see him, and my comparison is immediately Derwin James. Yeah. And we all we all know that we have a lot of love for Derwin James and just his non like positionless football, where it's a guy you can use anywhere on the field and he can make an impact. Those are guys that you could build around. I know that Brian Flores is salivating over this guy, so. Who knows? Maybe he takes him at three and says, "I'll just play quarterback. I'll take my chances with one of the other quarterbacks." Yeah, you know? I mean, they got they got three picks sitting in here, um, and I, I I think that'd be actually probably the a better move for him. Um, yeah, that that that's real. That's really someone who can who can be a cornerstone of your defense for you know years and years and years to come. Absolutely. Willie Gay Jr., uh, linebacker out of Mississippi State, also had a pretty nice combine. Ran really pretty fast, but he's more of a traditional linebacker. But at least he had a good day. So that he, he's a guy who's probably a back end first round first round talent. 
Um, and the last position that we're going to touch on is the DBs. So we already talked about Akuda and his standout performance. How about CJ Henderson? He dominated at the combine. He was every bit as good as Akuda. He has a little bit more question marks because he did not tackle at the University of Florida. He's kind of just sitting him on an island, but he's not going to get his hands dirty kind of thing. Maybe that's because he's like, I'm a first-round talent. I'm not going to worry about getting hurt. A little undersized, too, right? Um, yeah, but Grant Delpit didn't really have a great day. Stanford Samuels looked smooth and everything, but ran a slow time. And Cam Dantzler, the cornerback out of Clemson, also kind of ran a slow time. But for the most part, other than that, looked good. That's going to hurt some of these guys' stocks. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think when it comes to the DBs, um, it's your drills, not necessarily your 40s. Uh, mm-hmm. m- most of the time, you, that's really what they are working on, footwork, hips, um, being fluid out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then when it comes to like their pro days, that's where you see them really start to shave down those 40 times. So right. um, I, I, I don't think at that spot it's really hurting them too much. So when I look at some of those guys and I see, oh, they have a little bit slower 40, and some of these teams start knocking them in the va- and they start dropping a little bit, I start salivating because I'm like, at worst, if the guy doesn't really work out at, at corner for me, I will move him to safety and put him in the slot or something like that, and and I'll just have a good football player because they're still good football players. Um, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I I, I definitely you guys are just hitting all the points. Yeah, <laughs> I agree hundred uh, percent. Obviously, again, premium position, and, yeah. and it's where do these guys get taken? And you need a lot of them. You right? need a lot of them, especially yeah. in today's NFL. Like you, you if you, unless you have four capable mm-hmm. corners, you're you're in trouble. Right. Um, and you know, if you have those safeties that can cover up, that definitely helps. But, yeah. Um, and then speaking of a couple safeties, uh, Jeremy Chen and Tyler Duggar from small schools. We talked about Duggar last week, the kid out of Lenore Ryan. They just had outstanding test results at the combine. And those are some of those guys where it's like, you look, you go back and look at that tape and some people have already started to look at their tape and they're like, this is a guy I had rising on my board. And then he goes out and does this. Like he's definitely going to find his way up towards the top of that draft. Yeah. And obviously the combine is really like these small school guys is where they really, really jump Mm -hmm. uh, because their four or five might not look like a four or five on tape against slower guys. Um, But you know, like, you know, the high levels, you know, everyone's moving. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see one of them guys, uh, make an impact early. And we've seen it before with Ali Marpet a few years ago for the Bucks. Yep. Uh, they drafted him and they trade up in the second round. I think they took him, um, after they already taken Donovan Smith and he was, I think out of a division three school, which is even, even lower, but he just had these, you know, pretty productive tape. And then these insane measurables at the combine and stuff after getting an invite from a D three school, it's kind of shocking, but I think it happens more commonly, especially offensive line. We mm-hmm. talk about an NFL prospect offensive lineman is 300 pounds plus. Uh, when you, it's really hard to, to gauge back at 18 years old which guy is going to be the guy. Offensive line is by far the hardest position to evaluate if you ask high school coaches, college coaches, NFL coaches. Yep. Because the thing is, guys' bodies change, right? Especially from that period of time from high school to throughout their college years. There's guys, Lane Lane, uh, Lane Johnson for the Philadelphia Eagles, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He was a quarterback in high school. Yep. Quarterback. They moved him at Oklahoma. They moved him to tight end. And then they're like, oh, you're kind of, let's, let's have you eat a few more cheeseburgers this week. And you slide him in a tackle and boom, there you have like a first round. That was a lot of guys. guy, yeah. yeah, and and so that's why you see a lot of them come from Central Michigan, right? Joe Staley and some of these other guys, where they, they get taken out of some of these smaller schools, it's because they get missed, right? Yep, and, I agree 100%. And, and the ability to recognize and develop some of those guys is really where co- the college coaches can make their money. Yep. So, but 
I think that's all we have for this week. So absolutely. So uh, no no game this weekend. No Viper game this weekend at home. Uh, they're on the road, and then they'll be back the week after. So uh, already starting to plan for that uh, tailgate, the 14th of, of March. Mm-hmm. Um, Vipers gonna go for their their fifth win. If you if you uh, follow us, you'll know what that means. Uh, don't look at the standings; those don't mean anything. It's all it's all fake news. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there. We'll have another pod, obviously, between now and then. And we'll have some more baseball talk coming. Have soon. a lot more baseball talk coming up. So if if you're around here for baseball and hockey talk, uh, it's about to heat up for you. I uh, got through the combine. Not much else happens there till the draft. Um, and college basketball. Probably a few arrests. March Madness. Like We're that, now in March. Here it comes. Yeah, March Madness right around the corner, which includes, we'll, we'll probably next pod talk about uh, our bracket tournament, what we're going to mm-hmm. do with that. So those are things to look out for. Uh, look out for and uh, just yeah, whatever you got for us, give us some feedback. Have a good one, guys. See you guys.